Pulp MX Network production. You cast me completely till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? What's up? This is Darkseid for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first... Let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulp Mex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulp Mex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. I'm DV, by the way. We never met. I see you on TV, too. I used to race uh, a little bit here and there. It's, yeah. it's not that bad. You guys make it look like... Okay. It's, you crash all the time. We're used to crashing. <laughs> you, you are the baddest motherfucker on the, the race dirt bikes. And Don't be emotional about it. With Coopies, he always gets a few things here and there. That makes him better because mm-hmm. he can adapt. Like you had 15 or 20 minutes to show that you pissed off. Yeah, just, you, yep. just do it on the track. When you come on, I go to the bathroom. There's a lot of mod- modded out checked in, in the state, that's for sure. We're French. We don't, we don't oh. shower. Okay, all right. If it's going to be a whoop competition, then make the whoops gigantic. Make them Vol- Volkswagen Beetle Bugs. Just, just jump one more. You got to stop being nice. That's stupid, Weege. 
All right, last one. We need one. Moser back. We need Moser back. Uh, after, after food, I thought we were eating at 7. We don't give a shit about you going on ride with Swap Moto. That will not make you go faster or better and make mains. So go ride. This Tallahassee doesn't have 5G yet. It's like Mad Max. It's crazy. <laughs> what would you tell Ken Roxon going into the next race? Uh, go faster. You're an outsider. They don't care about flag girls. That doesn't make it right. Here's don't get burned because people don't like you in a sport. No, Eric is a badass mofo. All right, we're back with another Pulp Mix wrap-up show. This week, it's a flashback to a couple weeks ago, maybe a classic wrap-up or a classic Pulp show that we're going to wrap up tonight. Time will tell. Obviously, I'm Dark Side. I'm brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. And on the phone with me are a couple Aussies. No, not the Gypsy Tales guy. F that guy. Nah, I don't really care. He, he's fine. I had no problem with him. I'm just joking. Don't start any drama. Uh, yeah, so anyway. Uh, but these guys are much, much better. First up, brought to you by Guts Racing from the Moto Limited show, Mr. Nick Still. What up, Nick? What is up, Dark Side? Dude, that, that intro was good. I like that. I can. I, I think we need to cut that. Yeah. I think we need to use that on our show down under. So yeah, you, you, <laughs> I come from a life down under. Once again. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I thought that. I thought it was pretty good, man. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Well, hey. Also on the line, brought to you by Seal Savers, and also from the Moto Limited show, Trent Mar. What up, bro? Mate, I'm. I'm a little disappointed. I went second after Nick there, but. Uh, now I'm ready to go. Wrap this one up with a bit of a classic, as you said. So let's get this one started. Yeah, well, I I always kind of juggle like, well, who's gonna, who am I gonna put first? And as everybody that listens to this knows, Nick is the guy that helps me out all weekly. Helps me out with notes and timestamps from this stuff. So I gave him the nudge over you, Trent. Although you have helped I before, but Nick, Nick, or deal, with it. deal with it, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So look. Show's a couple weeks old now. A lot of drama. We're going to go back a few weeks to this thing. Uh, it was the week of Arlington. David Villeman was in for the first time since July of 2018. Trent, I'll go to you first on this one. Long time since David's been in. A lot of fans have been asking when DV was going to be back. We got him back, and we got the DV that we all love. Yeah, for sure. He came in... Uh... Came in super hot. He's uh he's one of those guests that when he comes in, you know you're gonna you're gonna be in for a ride of a show. That is that is for sure, and he uh, definitely did not disappoint. I totally agree, uh, Nick. What do you think of that show? Look, we also had Ricky Carmichael on, who got cut off. A Ray, uh, Hunter Lawrence, you know. But David Villeman as a guest, where your th- what are your thoughts on 458? Dude, DV doesn't hold back. And it's like, this is one I've had to go back and listen to a few times now because every time I listen to either the Rutledge Wood or the Ricky Carmichael segment, I get more and more out of it each time I listen to it. And sometimes I'll listen to it and I'll go, I can sort of understand where DV's coming from. And then I'll listen to it again. I'll be like, yeah, I'm a little bit unsure about this. So it's just like the more times I listen to it, the more times I get different things out of it. So I thought it was pretty cool. And, of course, Hunter Lawrence, a bit of Aussie on the show. What's yeah. To love? And we're going to talk about all those details, obviously. So you mentioned going back and listening to it a couple times. And I know since you're doing the wrap-up show, you listen to it twice or three times. And then you, I think you usually listen to it twice, Nick, just to give me notes. But let's say before – you started helping me with notes on the wrap-up. Was that something you did regularly? Listen to it multiple times? Usually I'd listen to it once and then, like, 
I've got a whole group of friends up here that listen to it and they'll be like, oh, did you hear such and such on the pulp show? And I'll be like, no, hang on, give me a timestamp and I'll go back. And oh, then okay. I'd end up going back and listening to a whole part again. Or I think like now with YouTube, they cut certain segments of the show and put that on YouTube. Yep, yep. And I sit down and watch them over and over again. So it's cool though. Like the whole YouTube thing, you get so much more out of it watching it on YouTube because you get to see the, the facial expressions you get to see what they actually do in studio that you don't get to hear on a podcast. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I think I think watching it on YouTube, you get so much more out of it. I reckon it's cool. Awesome. Uh, Trent, what about you, man? Do you get a chance to listen to it more than once? Is that something you do regularly? Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, okay. Uh, for, for me, it takes, uh, I mean, it's during the day. When it's live, it's during the day for us. So if I've got a good, good uh, amount of time at work, I'll just turn it on and listen to it at work and then, uh, again, like Nick, if something does spark my interest and I want to go back and re-listen to that bit, because uh, you can't obviously pause it live, I, I go back and re-listen to certain segments. But try and listen to it at least once. It sometimes takes me a couple of days to get through it as well, being five hours long. But uh, right. yeah, definitely definitely the intriguing parts. I want to go back and I want to get through them. And, and as Nick said, like this one, you go back and listen to DB and Rutledge's part. You get a lot more out of it the second time around, the third time around. You like, yeah. you can't start hearing more and more stuff out of it. So it's pretty cool. Awesome, awesome. All right, like I said, also on the show, calling in was Rick Carmichael, the GOAT, which we'll talk about whether he's a GOAT, I think. I think we're going to talk about that. Rutledge, Wood, Hunter Lawrence, and A-Ray. I already told you guys that. couple controversies on this show. Uh, and I, I decided that week of, I told Steve, and he had actually said it ahead of time, like, Probably not going to do a wrap-up show. I was in Dallas. I was going back and forth, super, super busy. Just didn't think I was going to have time. And, of course, when I called in on that Wednesday night for the live show, Steve even was going to give me some crap. He started giving me some crap about not doing a wrap-up. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I, I've already decided <laughs> this show is way too good. We're going to have to do a wrap-up. So we're going to start off with a discussion on Cooper Webb. He had just won two two races back-to-back in Arlington at this point. Um DV is always very opinionated, and we're going to hear one of those. We're going to hear a lot of his opinions throughout the night, but let's listen to his thoughts on Cooper Webb. Got Cooper Webb. We saw what he did in Daytona, and then he goes and wins the two Dallas races that that were very start-dependent, but they are what they are, and he got the starts, and he's got got a 12-point lead now. What the hell happened? Yeah, I think he's good. It's good. It's, That's why we bring DB up, everybody. It's good. That's not. Um, it's not the best. But what's great about him is he put himself in position every time yeah. to, to to have the best results he can. Like you can see, like Daytona, for example. Like uh, he, he was an off day, but right. he managed to pass a uh, placing on the last lap and yeah. get second. Yeah, and then he gained points on Roxanne and only lost three on Tomac. So yep. that was that was great. And um, what's really Im- impressive also, uh, he can adjust and adapt during a main event. He knows what he does bad mm-hmm. and he changes all the time. Yeah. You know, change lines and he doesn't get stuck in a rut forever. All right. Uh, let's start with you, Nick. So, Throughout the night, David and some of the other guys, RC, they talked about Cooper and his ability to adapt. And right now, I think they're on point with that. Steve was on point with it or, you know, agreed with it also that that's really, I think that's where he's 
excelling. What do you think about David's co- comments on Cooper? I it, it's funny. Like first time when Dave started talking, dude, he's good, and, and yeah, Steve's yeah. like, is that all we're gonna get? But the more Dave sits there and starts just thinking and break it down, and you can actually, I think you can just hear him running through his head explain the situation and the thing I like and this is one of the cool things about recapping a, a pulp show that was a couple of weeks ago is we've got to see races since that and it's like everything they sort of say meant so much more in that next race like Cooper can he is so well at adjusting through main events he's so well at turning things around and getting unstuck so it, it, it's cool to go back and listen to to Dave talk about it and then obviously watch a race a few days later where it's it's so relevant to everything he's just said. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I was thinking that while doing these notes and re-listening a little bit that it's it's kind of foreshadowing a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Trent, so I like what Nick had to say. Um, DV being so perceptive, you know, an ex-pro coaching Dylan Ferrandis and he's t- coached other riders, like he sees all these little nuances and was very good, in my opinion, at explaining them to us. You know, and maybe there's a few listeners that didn't don't see those things and don't understand those. I felt like David did a great job. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he he started off as Nick said, very like that he's good, and then as he got in and he started breaking it down and getting deeper into it, it made more and more sense. And then to you know the average fan that you know watches Supercross and just enjoys it, listen to DB break it down. Again, probably went and watched and went, oh, wow, Cooper does do that. Cooper does do this. And, you know, and that is the experience of, of David Villeman. You know, he's, he's done GPs. He's, you know, come to America, completely changed through, do Supercross. He was in that, you know, that period of time when racing in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, where everyone calls it the heyday, you know, he yeah. was in amongst that. And he's got a lot of opinion too, so he's not afraid to say that. And the way he broke down Cooper's, uh, style and the way he races, you know, you know it's coming from a place of someone who knows exactly what they're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so guys, throughout this part of the show, when they're talking about Cooper, Steve was really impressed with how Cooper had recovered from his practice crash uh, in the whoops. And, you know, he's, man, I can't believe, he wasn't really expecting him maybe to do that well. He figured it'd be a little foggy. Uh, DV, maybe not so much. Let's listen to it. I and he immediately puts on like the next practice. He's he's wide open. He's second or third fastest. You know he was buzzed a little bit from that, right? It's it's, yeah. it's not that bad. You guys make it look like okay. It's you crash all the time. We're used to crashing. You know, like uh, stuff like this happen. He, yeah, he looked bad, right? But you know, we're used to it. Yeah, that that shouldn't uh, for a guy like Cooper or maybe some other guys are gonna. You know, uh, slow down and take it easy for the rest of the night. Yep. But not a guy like Webb. All right, Trent. So I'm going to go back to you first. Uh, David, not DV, not super impressed with the crash. No big deal. And I feel like we see this out of him sometimes. Like, this is just what we do, right? It's, oh, so, so and so going so fast through whoops. Not that impressive. This is what they're supposed to do. Go faster. Uh, you crash. No big deal. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm on board with that crash. was not that big of a deal, but um, it's pretty interesting just hearing David being just, I think he sees things very differently than the average uh, racer, even their other racers, right? I think I just feel like his opinions are a little different, little, little, uh, oh, just a little different. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to the whole thing of, 
again, the era that he raced in too, like it was, you know, you got knocked down, you've got to get back up and you've got to go and finish the race. And there was, you know, a lot less around, obviously, concussions and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, to him, it's that whole thing. You get paid millions of dollars to ride, to race a dirt bike and you're expected to perform. You crash, you've got to get up, you've got to rebound and that's what's going to make a champion. And, I mean, he's had his fair share of that. So, again, him coming from a place of, I've been there, I've done it, he can sit there and say this all night and everyone would just have to be on board with his opinion because <laughs> he's got the he got the runs in the in the bank, you know, where he can say, I've, I've done this. I, yeah. I, I can say this and, and be genuine in my opinion. What about you, Nick? Do you think sometimes that David, when he's on pulp, is a little nonchalant or does it maybe give the credit or, like, due to the, the weight of something, what an event in a race, do you feel like he kind of just blows off a little bit? Maybe doesn't give it the due it's due, like that being a big crash or a particular pass being something, you know, it's just like no big deal to him. Do you think that's a little under-exaggerated? Yeah, I think that's David's persona as a yeah. person as well. And I think I'm going to go back to what Trent said, and I, I agree 100% with back in the heyday. I think it was a little bit different. Expectations were a little bit different. It was nothing odd for a huge crash to get up, straighten your bars, and keep going. And you don't really see <laughs> sure, that yeah, these yeah. days. Yeah. So I think I think a combination of that and maybe David's upbringing and and his how how his racing career was sort of gives it that effect. I I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I, I tend to agree. But at the same time, it's like I, I don't know. He, his opinion of it comes off. It's, I don't know, I don't know the word. His right. opinion of it comes off a little bit, um, just different, just different to any other co-host that would be on on poll. So I, I, I agree like it because it's different. Yeah, I agree. I think most other co-hosts would have been like, "Holy crap! Yeah, that was a cr- that was a big crash. That was scary." And yeah. Dave was like, "Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Why why are you even worrying about that, Steve?" Kind of like the next topic I want to touch on when Steve kind of flashed back to Daytona to ask David's opinion about. Cooper's pass on Kenny and his opinion was very similar, which actually this one I agree with. What do you make of Roxon's drop off here? He was upset at Daytona. He got pushed wide, right? Big deal, but he was upset and now he. Uh, he how'd, got... you, how'd you get upset about that? I, I don't know, DV. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's great. You, you gotta expect that Cooper's gonna do that if he's on the inside and, yeah. and he's racing you for the championship. But that thing was great. The strategy uh, uh, by by Webb was great. You got to make the guy you racing with or against in the championship. You got to make him slow down and lose position. And then that was great. Right. That was a great move. He did not touch him. He did not do anything. Right. You're allowed to guys watch uh, Froze uh, videos from the '90s. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he no, put I... you in the ABLs every right. every um, chance you got. Yeah, so Nick, um, again, right? Kind of nonchalant, but with this one, I agree. Like, I still can't figure out what all the the hubba blue or whatever like was about that pass. It was so clean, didn't touch anybody. But I love David's thoughts on this. Like, quit being a baby. We used to. This is nothing compared to what we the way we used to race. Exactly, I love it because he's he's. He's brutally honest in his own way, but I'm exactly like you, dude. I agree exactly that there was there was nothing wrong with that pass, and I think uh, I, I think Steve Steve every every media person said the exact same thing. So right. it's like I 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I just appreciate the way David is very just direct and says, yep. says it how it is. Doesn't doesn't sugarcoat things and just doesn't seem to doesn't seem to care about what anybody else's opinion on it would be. Yeah, he's not afraid of hurting anybody's feelings. That's for sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, Trent, how? <laughs> Can you imagine, like, if David was at the race, DV was at the race, and he had a chance to actually talk to Kenny about that? Be like, dude, why why are you whining? Like, I, do you think he would say, and we're going to talk about his thoughts on what Kenny said after that, but, like, do you, th- I, you feel like he would probably say that stuff to Kenny's face, no problem? Yeah, I don't think he has an issue with it at all. I mean, he, you know, he, we're going to get to the A-Ray bit there, you yeah. know, later on, and, you know, Steve asked, you want to work with A-Ray? No. Like, he just... <laughs> I, he, do, he doesn't have a like a filter. He just says what comes to his mind, and he, then he just stands behind it. He's not he's not afraid to do that. So I reckon he would if Kenny was there and he was in, within earshot. He would have told him exactly how he should be feeling and, and why he should be not uh, not whining about it. Yeah, I think you're right. That's great. Um, a couple more things that David said throughout this this little topic was um, with Arlington too. Right, we've all talked about the the track wasn't great and. As media guys, and even in the press conferences, we were like, oh, it was hard to pass. The writers were saying that you couldn't pass. One of the things that he brought up was, like, Jason Anderson passed coming from the back, Trent. That one I don't agree with so much. Yes, he passed a lot of people, but he didn't pass the guys at his level, in my opinion. Once you got to that point, that track, I felt like, was not a very racy track. I kind of felt like he was a little bit off on that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one the one guy he banks it all on is is obviously Anderson. As you said, he's coming through those guys, and he got to the position where he's been all year, and that's where he yeah, sort of stopped, and yeah. then obviously got penalised as well. But uh, yeah, when you when you watch those top three guys, there wasn't too much separating them. Uh, I know he was carrying on about that elevated turn, and you know, Eli going outside, and all this sort of stuff. And there was a couple of options, but yeah, it wasn't a super racy track. Um, and yeah, he's one. His one horse in the race, basically, where he says, "This is why we everyone should be able to do it." Was coming from last, was coming through a lot of guys that he's, you know, expected to be, and then gets to where he's supposed to be and stops. So I don't, yeah, I don't 100% stand on DV's, you know, soapbox with that one. But again, he's it's DV's opinion. He's going to yeah. ride that one all the way he's, to the bank. He's full of them for sure. Um, and Nick, another thing that was said, Steve kind of felt like. Cooper West pretty much got this thing. It's it's his championship now. And D- DV says, ah, oh, it's like 50-50 still. He still feels it's 50-50. What do you think about that? I would love to know what DV thinks now, obviously, after having another one round. We've, yeah. had, we've had one more where, obviously, Cooper had to pass Kenny. Kenny didn't retaliate at all. And now, obviously, I think it's up to 18 points, if that's correct. I'd love to know if DV is still... Thinking, uh, thinking it's over because I know one of the first tweets I think Mathis put out was, "I know it's not over, but it sure does feel like it." Right, right. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I can, I can sort of feel that, and I'm sort of feeling that vibe 100. percent I am too. I, I think it's over, barring anything catastrophic. Um, hey, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company. Offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com 
For info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Thanks to Guts Racing. Uh, Trent, so I want to talk to both of you guys real quick about the influence Pulp has had on you guys. You're doing a podcast over there in Australia. Uh, it's, it's doing pretty well. You've had some really great guests. It's taking off. You guys have gotten into the press conference this year. But what I want to talk about is the influence that Pulp had on you. Like, First of all, how many years have you been listening to Pulp MX? I think uh, when I was on the show last time, I think it was I think it was four years or five years now that I've been listening. Uh, and it was the first podcast I ever discovered. So, um, And now I listen to multiple different ones, but the first one I ever listened to was Pulp. And, I mean, the influence that Steve's had on not only myself but Nick and what we do with our show is, you know, we, we want to – not be the same, but he is the guy that everyone turns to when they want to know about the sport and want to listen to the riders, the, the privateers. You know, we try and work with a lot of our local riders here and try and give them the promotion that they deserve as well. So the way he does it is a lot different to everyone else. And, and we just love to listen to his opinion. And, and we were talking about DV being brash, but I mean, at the same time, you know, Steve can get on a, get on a rant pretty yeah. quickly and, uh, and stick behind it, mate. Even if he doesn't, if he's maybe not hundred percent correct on it, he's sticking behind it. So yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. we love to listen to. So you know, at some point, listening to Pulp, do you is this when you just you kind of go like, oh, this would be fun to try to do a podcast, and it kind of influences, like I assume the the scope of what you want to touch on at least. Yeah, I mean exactly that. Like we. You know, uh, Nick and I listened and been a part of the sport for a long, long time. And, you know, we we like to talk about the sport. And we're like, well, you know, this is probably one way we can do it. And as I said, we, we just love to sit down, bench race about racing. You know, we get yourself on sometimes to talk about it. We get other other media guys on to talk about it. And it's just that it's that whole thing we like to, to talk about racing. And the only way that we could ever be in on a podcast or be involved to be able to speak to some of the U.S. writers is to, to start one. So we thought, hey, let's see what happens with this, put it together, and, it, you know, where does this go? And it seems to be going okay so far. So yeah. we're doing we're doing the wrap-up show with you, Dark Side, so I think we've made it. That's Yeah, that's the that's the pinnacle. I mean, it's all, it's all downhill from here, Nick. Um, <laughs> how about you? Talk about the influence that Steve has – the pulp show has had on you as a podcaster. Like, I mean, what if, what, give me something that you took away from pulp that you try to implement and how you do your podcast, Nick. That's a really good question. It's like the way I see it is Steve is people call Steve opinionated. People will, I don't know. People will say Steve comes off as a bit of a dick, something like that. But the way it comes around is his persona of this is his podcast he will say what he wants and he will give his opinion. I I love that because it's like it, it's Steve's not scared about upsetting someone. He's not scared to tell someone the situation of how it really is. So bringing that back to what we do, it's like sometimes me and Trent will, will, will be like, oh, dude, I don't really want to say this or something like that, and then it'll, it'll come back. We'll think back, well, this is this is our podcast. This is our opinion. We can listen. There's no one stopping us from giving us our opinion of what we want to do. And and like Trent said, like Steve and what he's created with Pulp is the the top of the line. So of course everything we build is going to be somewhat um, a reflection of what that is because we strive. We we want to be just as good as Pulp. We want to be 
that, but obviously we want to be different in our own aspects as well. So there's a hundred different things we we probably take take from pulp, and then there's probably a hundred different things we'll do differently. Yeah, but sure. it's more so Steve's persona, what I appreciate and what I sort of get out of it. Okay, awesome. All right, Nick, you want to talk about the Rutledge Wood content or the Ricky Carmichael content first? Oh, let's get let's get Rutledge Wood out of the way. I've been thinking about this for days, and I don't even know how to address it. Okay, it's like I can see it perfectly from both angles. So yeah, same here. Uh, let's, same go, here. let's go Rutledge Wood. Let's go Rutledge Wood. Okay, so Rutledge Wood is the NBC. Uh, announcer he was doing some trackside stuff took a little bit of daniel blair's time uh somewhat of an uncomfortable interview i've heard reactions from dv is fucking right and fuck rutledge all the way to dv was a dick and i appreciate what rutledge had to say uh so let's start with you trent where do you fall on either one of those or in between i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna be switzerland here and be right in the middle Um, waffle 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 yeah, I mean, DB's, DB's opinion is, you know, kind of correct, and I can kind of see it. And as Nick said, we can see both sides, and, and I can go both arguments. With this actual conversation that went down, the way that I look at it is they were both like a dog with a bone each. They were just not letting up on their own opinion and not listening to each other's opinion and trying to have a conversation. It was Rutledge was going on about his thing, and he wasn't letting it go, and then DB was going at it, and then... They throw little jabs at each other to set each other off again, and then it was just this cycle. So they both had they both had valid opinions, but I can't go either way because they were not really, you know, trying to get a point where it's like, oh, I can see your opinion, I can see your opinion, and I mean, they both went a little bit too far in their directions. If that makes any sense. Okay, it does. It does. Nick, how about you? Do you do you fall on where do you fall on the spectrum? I'm the exactly the same as Trent. I got to sit. Exactly in the middle. Like, I can see both parts of each story, but at the same time, I agree with Trent when they were both just too opinionated, too directly opinionated, and didn't really want to listen to what each other said and just wanted either A, talk over each other, or B, cut each other off with a different a different topic altogether. Um, like I said, I can see exactly both sides of the story, and I think DV at the same time, I, I think... Uh, Rutledge probably doesn't understand DV as a person. And no, for sure he doesn't. How opinionated and direct he is. So that that might, that might have put him off, and I think that did. But I think there was a point of the interview where things started going south, and that look on Steve was just like, oh, no. Yeah, what yeah, what yeah. do we do? What do we, what do, we do? Like, yes. this, is not going the, this is not going the direction we wanted. And then, like, this goes back to not being able to see when you listen to the podcast or when you you go back and listen to it on YouTube. Um, Davey takes his head, takes his headset off, puts it on the bench, and just goes playing on his phone like he's not even interested. So that's the yeah. He, that's the he was aggravated. You get to see when you listen to it in podcast form. Right, he was aggravated a whole bunch throughout the evening, and uh, but anyway, look, Steve had a, had <laughs> Rut on because he has been getting a lot of social media hate. And for the segments he's been doing, Steve wanted to give him a chance to, you know, to explain himself or to kind of acknowledge who he was and maybe give him, you know, give the fans a chance to get to know him a little bit. And at some point, Steve is sort of even the voice of reason a little bit. Uh, Let's listen to this and we'll talk about it. 
I'm DV, by the way. We never met. I see you on TV too. I used to race uh, a little bit here and there. This sport is not mainstream. You know, it's it's very a core sport. So people, they don't care. They don't care about flag girls. They don't care about the other stuff, the, the stuff they already know. What they want to see is every passes on a race. They get pissed when they don't show passes. They get pissed when we don't see replay of crashes. And that's unfortunate because you and I know you need sponsors. You need eyes. Like, we need growth Yeah, but every if, if we, right? If you want growth, my friend, we shouldn't be on Peacock. We, shouldn't, you, we should be free on YouTube and get millions of people. And then after, we can charge them, you know. But we, we're doing all the TV backwards, kind of. Okay, so... Nick, at this point, Rutledge thinks they're on the same page, basically. He, he, he hasn't quite realized that maybe DV's a little bit on the tack. <laughs> I think he's, he feels like they're, they're trying yeah. to get to the same point. Do you feel that way? I, I thought this, this is going okay at this yeah. point. It was more so when it got to when um, Rutledge was questioning if DV was wrong and knew the sport. Oh, yeah. That's sort of when it took... That's sort of when it went downhill for me. But at the same time, like, I, I want to ask your opinion. What did you... What was your opinion on, obviously, the segment we saw and we were talking about was obviously Rutledge taking the pit board from the mechanic and holding out holding out a, a memo for one of the riders. What was your opinion on that? That's sort of my... That's, that's what I want to know. If I'm being honest, I have... I still have not gone back and watched that segment. So... I heard that he put something like "good job" to so, and I don't even remember who to a writer that was like not even going to make the show or something, the night show, yeah, or, or the main, yeah. the main. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I don't like that. I don't dig that. But I don't really blame Rutledge for that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Trent, I see the point that they're both trying to make a little bit. Um. DV. Feels like, hey, it's core. We're not ready to grow the way we're doing things or backwards. Eh, I can, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. But and and Rutledge is just like, hey, I'm just doing my job. We're trying to get, or NBC mainly is trying to get other people, the people that don't know this board involved, and they're trying to teach people. I'm okay with it at this point. How about you? Yeah, at this point, it's uh, it's going, it's going in a way where DB hasn't quite set off and and uh, Rutledge hasn't quite set off yet either but um, with DV's comments and the growing and you can see that yes and then you can see what Rutledge is trying to do and um, I mean there's a point where what Rutledge is saying you know again he's only doing his job but what NBC and that are trying to do with it bring NASCAR in yeah like NASCAR's an American sport to be honest and we're international guys we don't we you know our country doesn't follow and we have a pretty large following down here as well as other countries in the world so bringing NASCAR in doesn't probably half the viewership will not even know what NASCAR is unfortunately yeah so makes sense it's kind of narrow-minded a little bit too by saying oh you know we're trying to get new viewers in trying to get U.S. viewers in, you know, trying to get the international viewer in because they would have no idea who Rutledge Wood is, who, what NASCAR is or anything like that. So I can see it's, it's not Rutledge's fault. He's just a guy that works for NBC and he's doing what he's been asked to do. Yeah. Uh, but it has put him in a tough situation with, like DV said, the core fans and then DV's on their side and, and basically just tees off from here. Right. At this point... Steve hasn't really lost, and he didn't really lose control, but it gets away a little bit. But I, can, you can kind of sense DV's a little bit aggressive, but it hasn't quite blown up yet. 
And, and Rutledge had made a couple comments that I'm going to play a little bit previous to this that I felt like he went wrong to begin with, and we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but DV basically says, no one cares what Rut has to say, and, and Rut tries to use reason to explain the side, and let's listen. You're an outsider. But if I go to a NASCAR race and I talk about where the flag girl comes from, I, I'm going to get... Hey, yeah, but the, here's the problem. what you're missing, though. That that doesn't make it right. That makes it with the status quo. Is. Yeah, and the it, problem I'm is there's saying, only half a million people I'm not people saying watching. it's right. And you shouldn't go online and tell them, you know, the fans are insecure because they talk shit about you. You know, oh, no, no. Like, don't get, you, don't get butt hurt because people don't like you in a sport. No, he's because not butt hurt. He's because Ralph gets here, Lee gets here, uh, uh, Ricky also sometimes when he miss uh, names. But the mainstream so guys, no, no, they but, will not pay to watch something they don't know. But what if you're wrong? What if the notion that you're saying about this whole projection and all these things, what if you don't actually know? So you're basing all the things that you're talking about just strictly on your experience, your thoughts. I don't think you've run a network. I'm, I'm assuming you've not run a, a, a successful motorsport brand. Most of the time, I watch the races on mute because Ricky and whoever is next to him, they don't teach me nothing. Tell that's people, not cool to me. Like I don't. I th- think that's that, a mistake. It's not a mistake. Someone muted you every time that they were listening <laughs> to this podcast. Yeah, they, they would mute me if I was on a NASCAR <laughs> on a hockey show because no, I don't know what I'm not, talking that's, about. That's not. That's not apples to apple. But you're acting like Rutledge called NBC Sports and said, hey, I want to come on your Supercross no, race. No, no, they, they, they are trying. The powers that be I are trying. Yes, I yeah, yeah. I cannot <laughs> get Burrell because there's a motorcross He's fan that tell you you suck. He's not you know, it's Just take it. No, don't be, dude, can, don't, and, and, don't be emotional about it. Just you know, do your not, show and that's it. Between you and me, when, when you come on, I go to the bathroom. You know, so because I don't care. That's totally and, fine. And then, I don't know and who most you, of the people are the same as me. That's the reality of – but here's I want to tell fans at home who you are, why you're important, why you matter. So if you mute that, you also are saying that there's no chance someone new could ever know you. And that's a mistake. For you muting it, you're saying, I don't care about the growth of this sport. I don't care if we get new people. And that's my point of like, maybe you're wrong. And I think we're on the same side. I think and so I get too. that you don't, you don't have to like me. All right, Nick, I... I don't totally disagree with Rutledge on some of these things. Like him questioning DV, like, well, what if you're wrong? I don't have a problem with that. Like, that, there was people that got really butthurt over this, that part of it, like the fans. I don't have any issue with him questioning that because DV doesn't know for sure. Maybe Rutledge doesn't either, but I thought it was his points were valid. I liked what he had to say. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much exactly the same with you there. And I think that's maybe the way Rutledge said it was what ended up setting DV off. But at the same time, I look at it and go, hey, I've, I've been around sport for a long time. I, I love Supercross. But at the same time, I don't think I would ever mute it to not hear, hear what someone's saying or something like that. Like, it's at the same time, it's, um, it's we might not agree with what's being said or some of the commentating 
or any of the presentations, but I, I, I don't feel like I'd ever need to have to mute someone so I didn't have to hear it because we're not hearing anything because we're not learning something. Right. I don't think the average fan or a hardcore fan needs to learn everything because if we're tr- like Rutledge said, if we're trying to broaden our listeners and build this sport, new people watching this aren't going to understand half the things, and and that's why someone like Rutledge has to go through and do this. So I can I can see both parts of it. And it's like I've still got to sit in the middle with who I'd, with who I'd, uh, yeah. with who I'd back one hundred percent. It's yeah, for I, sure. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think DV had some points that were he was headed in the right direction, but he was he just gets super aggressive. Like you know, okay, yeah, he mutes it. He doesn't want to listen to it. it. The broadcast Trent is not always great, but I don't mute it. I listen to it. Uh, you know, and if they come to a segment like that that I don't really care that much about what is it 30 seconds you know it's like the the more the more important things to me or the more the things that are the bigger problems with the broadcast is going to a segment when a race is going on or miss like dv said in the beginning or missing a pass that's the part that really sucks and that's just also a technical side sometimes if they don't have enough cameras but i don't know i just think i also think trent a little bit that dv sounded a little butt hurt yeah, I mean, and again, it comes back to that thing where they were just throwing jabs at each other and trying to make each other butt hurt because they were not getting their opinion across. But I am with you with that, Dark Side. Like, there's sometimes where they throw things in and, and you miss a pass or something like that. But again, you could understand they got to fit all these things in a time slot. I mean, we just gone on the Pulp Show multiple times to talk about how TV works and how they've got to get these things in and sometimes they miss it. So you can understand it. But when those segments come on and, yeah, they, they get put into those bits and it's tough, but they definitely they definitely both were trying to make each other a little butt hurt the whole way through it. And <laughs> yeah, that's, where, yeah. that's where I think it became, it broke down, you know, and it became less of a, a conversation and more of a just let's see who can put the, the other guy down as much as possible. So let me ask you this, Trent, then. One, were you entertained by this interview? And two... Would you, if you could choose, would you rather have that time segment replaced with another interview, let's say with Eli Tomac, or just a, a typical standard interview? Would, you know, give, me, give me your answers to those. Uh, firstly, I, I enjoy it to a point. Okay. And then it's when it starts dragging and you're like, all right, this is now getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, then you kind of, but no, I would not change that for just a run in the middle. Like it's entertaining, it's entertainment. That's what he's there to do. Yep. But there is a point where it starts getting where you're just like, all right, this is just repeating itself it now. We're getting the, yeah, we're getting a little long in the tooth here. Let's, yeah, that that's where you start being like, oh man, I don't want to hear this anymore. But I would not <laughs> change that for a for just a standard interview about setups and how your weekend was. Like I, that's in, that's enjoying to start getting involved with, but then you just want it to not be so long. Yeah, Trent, same question uh, to you, or Nick. I agree 100% with Trent. Trent said exactly the exact same way I would have. I don't even think I can add to that. That's um, we, we share the same sort of opinion with that sort of stuff, and he's, uh, he summed that up perfectly. Okay, great. That, that makes that easy. I agree. I think that kind of stuff, again, is where Pulp is more original, or not necessarily original, but – Sets itself a little bit apart from other shows. Um, very unlikely that my show would have had that type of content. 
you know, whether it be Whiskey Throttle or, or any of the other shows, I, th- I think that stuff is very, um, it, it's just a part of pulp. I don't, I, I, there's a term I wanted to use, but it's sort of something that we've come to know with the way the show works out and the way Steve does things. Um, so yeah, I think it was entertaining. I loved it. I think it got people talking. It got people fired up on social media, uh, which is what you, what Steve needs out of the show, right? You want, you want your content to have some kind of impact, positive or negative. As long as people are talking and listening, uh, he's, he's successful and he did what he was supposed to. And as I, I mentioned, a mixture of responses to these, to this conversation, you know, for or against either of the two guys. Where I feel Rutledge made the mistake, as I mentioned earlier, was at the very beginning of the conversation, and he pissed some people off. Here's what it is. It's a bunch of really insecure dudes that think if someone new comes in, that it's like a band that, that everyone loves because they haven't been signed, and then right. the moment you hear them on the radio, they're the same people. They're like, all oh, these guys sold out. You bet they sold out every damn seat. But the bros right. that, yes, like, yeah. that, that are disturbed by someone like me coming in, they're really funny because they're also the most transparent people. Like, I feel bad. This guy on Twitter today picked on me, and he's like, this redneck needs to go back to NASCAR. And I pointed out, the irony of a person wearing an affliction shirt saying that, and the dude changed his picture, and I felt so bad about it. Their first thought is, well, I must be there to take Daniel's job. Oh, yeah. That's not how this stuff works, and I get that people don't understand television, and a lot of these fans don't, at least this vocal minority, they truly don't get motorsports. Like, if a dude's making fun of me and he's wearing an affliction shirt, I'm sorry. You're putting yourself in, in the line of fire. What's but wrong with that fiction show? No, I, I, Nothing. If you're into it, <laughs> yeah, I'm so, not. Yeah. It's just funny that he called me a redneck, and all the rednecks I know wear shirts like that. Yeah, that's where the problem was, Nick. I think he he basically alienated or a somewhat, I'm going to use air quotes here, attacked a group of people and we can have our opinion about affliction shirts here and there, but he went right at the beginning of the, the interview, went after a group of people, technically, that may like this sport when he's trying to bring everybody together to like this sport. And I feel like that's really where a lot of people were off the Rutledge tra- train right away. Yeah, and I think that comes across in the way he delivered that too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think deep down he didn't he didn't intend for it to be said like that, but it was the way it was delivered, I think, um, is what potentially pissed a lot of people off. Like I can I can sort of see where they're coming from at the same time. It's just like the whole the whole interview was just I don't know the word. It was just I'm gonna go with odd. It was just yeah, the it was out, it got out of hand, but it got out of hand for the wrong reasons because I don't think they got to understand each other's each other's points of view, yeah. and then before they could explain it, they'd cut each other off. So it was like something was half spoken about, and then they'd get cut off with something else, and then they go on that tangent. It was just like it was just it was a twenty minutes of just I was confused by the end of it, and I had to go back and watch it again. Watched it again, and I was a little bit more confused a second time. So, yeah, I think it was a little bit similar to one of our American presidential debates. Just <laughs> they're attacking each other, and everybody they only they're not listening. They're just get trying to get their points out, and it gets more and more aggressive. Um, yeah, it definitely went south. 
and I think you're right, Nick. I don't. I think he was trying to be funny with that comment. And if I'm if I'm being honest, I sort of laughed at the beginning. But then I, when I stepped back and thought about it, I was like, okay, well, you, the people that wear affliction shirts, or these people that you're talking about, are, are going to be kind of pissed that you're saying this when you're trying to. So I, I kind of saw that point, and I really feel like that's a big part of where he went wrong with the fans. But um, anyway, I would. I would like to know, like, uh, sort of, uh, see, all three of us, we're diehard Supercross fans. We yep. know the sport backwards. We know we know how it is. I would like to hear the opinion of someone that's new to it, someone that this is maybe their first time watching Supercross and getting to watch this on TV and then hearing those interviews. I would just like to see if someone's opinion is completely different to ours because, obviously, we know the sport. So yeah, right. that's just something I'd like to know. Yeah, I would assume that you're talking about the the DV Rutledge interview, correct? Or or are you talking about the Rutledge segments? Um, bit of both. Like I'd want someone to watch Supercross with the Rutledge segments and yeah. then go and listen to that 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 interview and see what they got out of it. Because obviously, we look at it the way as we're diehard Supercross fans, so we're going to get offended when we're babying into something or when we're t- given something with a teaspoon, you know what I mean? But people that are new to it and don't really understand it maybe get a lot more out of it that way. I, I don't know. It's just it's, I'd like to see someone's persona about watching it for the first yeah. time and listening to that interview. I believe if it, you took somebody that there was, let's say – their very first time was watching Supercross was at Arlington when he did the the flagger thing. And then let's say they listened to Pulp MX for the very first time that week. I think they would like that because they wouldn't have any idea. Like they would learn something about the sport and they might be like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. And they, you know, because anytime you get into something, you have questions like, well, why did they do that? Like I've talked about with hockey. I tried watching hockey and I like hockey a little bit. I don't love hockey, but I didn't understand icing and I didn't understand offsides. And I actually, I think I texted Steve to explain it. So if you had somebody on TV explaining while I'm watching hockey, what icing is, I'd be like, Oh, okay. Now I understand. I enjoy it a little bit more, but the diehard fans would be like, fuck you. We know what icing is. So I think a new fan would like that. And I think they would probably side with Rutledge because they don't know any of the shit that DV is saying. Well, we don't. They we don't care, and that's why I think it, the stuff that they're doing is okay. It's not that like it doesn't really affect me. If if we want new fans and we get lucky enough to have five or six new fans every week and they learn something and it makes them like it or understand it, I'm okay with that. Now I think DV feels like Trent. There aren't any new fans coming to listen to it. It's core. It's not going to work. And and I think maybe even Steve feels. Like are the fans of the sport are the fans now. Very few random people are going to pick up on this. But if there's one, and and the Rutledge segment gets them to understand it, I have no issue with it. It's whatever. Yeah, and, and you know, for me, it's we want to have those new fans. I just, you don't know if there's new fans coming in or not. It's it's one of those questions that's always going to be debated throughout all of this. But you know, between us here sitting on this phone call, I mean, we watch. The, the Supercross and we're watching everything's going on, the times on the screen, you know, multiple different things going on. We're not really paying attention to actually the broadcast and what's kind of being said and what comes up and things like that. And, 
I mean, I know I sit there with lap times open and everything like that. So we're watching those sorts of things at the same time. So we might not even, when that comes on, we just revert our attention somewhere else. So a real diehard fan is probably going to be that deep invested into it. Uh, or playing Pop Mech Fantasy, you, you pay attention exactly. to what's going on there. So, yeah. I mean, so what what happens on the screen? Who really cares? Like, if we miss something, they'll show a replay, hopefully, and all move on. I just think it was, again, it's one of those conversations that we had that, you know, just blew out of proportion and everyone wanted to have their opinion. But, uh, no, I, I I don't have a problem with it. There could be new fans. There could not be. Who, who knows? And to be honest, let's let's just keep keep doing whatever's going going on right now. And it's, it's going to work out in the end. Well, either way, I think the interview turned out awkward and uncomfortable, but still something that I think we'll listen to a few years from now and be like, hey, you remember that time? I think it was great. So I'm glad it, I'm glad it happened the way it did because it at least gave us something cool to talk about. It's kind of what made me decide to want to do the wrap up show that this particular week. Anyway, since Can 19, I ask a question. Oh yeah, go ahead. What do you think will be? What do you think will happen in Atlanta when obviously Rutledge is coming back to do one of them? Do you think this whole conversation will come up again, or do you think it's put to bed now? I, do you think this will come up again? Or nah, I doubt it. I think it's probably put to bed. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. Check out their full line of motor products, as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection so enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. What a year ago, I would not have thought this interview would happen, but it did. It was like a fantasy. Mathis has RC on again, Trent. Um, I think we all love this. A topic that got brought up with RC. First of all, how do you feel about RC being on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's- it's very ironic now. Like you go back and listen to all the older shows and all the, the beef that was, and now it's like, they're just buddies again and talking and having them on. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see now that they, they can sort of bury it and, and have RC on and sort of have conversations about these things. And I, I enjoy having RC on it. It, it adds to the, the pulp nation for sure. Yeah. I love Trent or Nick. Now that, RC's on. Like, RC seems, they're buddies now. I mean, he's he's happy to be on. He's joking with Mathis. Like, it's like the rivalry never happened almost. Yeah, I'm the same as Trent. I love sort of now that he's he's sort of back with it. Like, I'm I'm a huge RC fan, both as racing, and I enjoy him on the Supercross broadcast, and I see him as being a, a, a really major player in our sport. So for Steve to be able to bury, bury the... the the, the hatchet with him and be able to get him back on and get his opinion on things is cool. And then obviously D, another talking point we're going to have is DV and, and Carmichael. So that wouldn't have been able to happen unless uh, True. sort of buried the hatchet with him for sure. Absolutely. And when RC was on, they, they eventually get to a topic that, that threatened the fabric of their new friendship. But we're going to get to that. But the first thing I want to talk about with RC is his his views on Cooper Webb because obviously this was a hot topic. We already talked about that, so here it goes. And I watch how he's been been able to to manage championships uh, through his out throughout his 250 career, 
his 450 career in 2019 and it, it was really you know I really appreciate that and and that's where I struggle on the broadcast is trying to um, explain that to our viewers I understand his ability and what he is capable of doing uh, it, like I said as far as managing a championship and and how strong he is mentally and that that I, I just I feel like he's in the right place at the right time. I feel like last year at the beginning of the series, um, he some, something was up, mm-hmm. and he wasn't telling us something. He was just too far off the mark. And then this year, even though Kenny had a good start, I was watching Cooper Webb, um, you know, like like behind the scenes. I'm like, man, he's he's pretty good. You know, he's pretty good. And then you look back and you, and you see what happened a couple of races. He's playing with the air shock and DV. You know yep. all about this. I mean, he, at the, the first five races, he's testing. He's not racing. And that, that, that's huge. He, he, he reverted back to just a really coil over spring, you know, tie spring, regular shock. And as soon as they went to that and they're just like, okay, this is what we got. It's consistent boom, he starts going better in practice. Mm-hmm. Well, then then when he does better in practice, uh, he starts doing better in his heat race. And the consistency was there. And then once that consistency got there, then he's able to just race. All right, Nick, great insight from RC. Like, he, he kind of mentioned this at some point in the show, like stuff that he struggles with during the broadcast. Like, he said stuff in this interview, in this segment that – I loved hearing from him. I loved what he had to say about the the air shock and that Cooper was testing at the beginning of the season. I thought this was awesome insight from RC, stuff that we don't really necessarily hear about on the broadcast. Absolutely. And the one thing I took from that is exactly like you, was he's not racing, he's testing. And when I first thought that, I went, what? That doesn't sound right. And then when I went back and looked at the early rounds and – kept looking at that and then listening to what he was saying, everything made sense. And it was the second they had their bike in the bubble where Cooper likes and Cooper come out and said that in the press conferences, we got the bike where we want it. Look what's happened since then. He's just gone back to typical Cooper mentality of him having a worse race as he's finishing third. So I agree as well. Cooper is just unbelievable at managing this and I, I think it's, it's it's looking better now than it did when he won his championship back in in uh, 2019 yep. in 2019 sorry so but once again is these are the little things that Ricky is just so good with and for fans like us we want to know that sort of thing we want to know the reason for him succeeding or the reason why everything's looking better if it comes down to a shock or if it comes around to them making changes throughout the week and this is sort of an insight that we get from Ricky, more so as, like, DB's a track analyst, but I, I more see Ricky Carmichael as being sort of uh, a, a race analyst. He, he explains mm. the situations behind it. So that's one thing I love at RC, and I think he does it so well. Yeah, he did a good job. I was really enjoying it. Like, it's a different RC trend that we, as I said, on the broadcast – and what do you think about what he said about something was wrong with Cooper last year at the beginning? Um, like, I mean, maybe he was. Maybe he was hiding something. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know. I mean, he was sick, and, you know, speculation goes around that they potentially had COVID before it was actually yep. a thing. Yep. You know, they were both really – him and Zach were both really sick. Uh, so, 
yeah, there, there was something up with him early on at the start of last season, and then he came strong at the end. But it, like the RC interview to me, he started off very, very much like he's on the broadcast, very vague, not the correct word, but he wasn't giving too much. And then as you hear him start loosening up there and he starts really breaking it down and giving his opinion, that's the RC, and I guess we're going to talk about this later, what DV and Steve want to see out of him in the in the booth is open up like this, tell these guys exactly how it should be and your exact opinion. Don't try and be nice about it. You know, you've earned the right to say this. And you can hear that in that start. He starts off with, oh, he's good, he's better, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets into the changes in the air shock. And then next minute, he's really diving deep. And that's where RC has all the knowledge in the world is when it comes to that sort of stuff. Well, let's actually talk about that because, um, you know, DV did say, "Hey, do these things in the booth." You know, uh, you know, he DV wants something out of Ricky that I don't know that Ricky necessarily is allowed to do. I'm not sure, you know, but he wants DV to be the baddest motherfucker ever to ride a dirt bike in the booth. Also, not be so nice as yeah. I do have some of that audio that we'll probably play here in a little bit, but I, I don't know that Ricky. Do you think Ricky? Even if he was allowed to be that guy in the booth, do you think he would? Do you think he has that in him? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Like, I think he wants to open up, but that at the same time, I don't think he's being held back. I think he wants to keep his relationship with the rise exactly. As well. Like he's he's in that position where he he can't be too upfront with it. Otherwise, right. none of them will give him any of the insight that he needs to be good at his job. So he's walking a very tight rope there. But I still think he could do more of just a, a little deeper on some stuff where I think a lot of people watching will understand what he's saying if he goes into that. Blowing riders out, probably not a great idea for him in <laughs> no, his career. But no. he, I, I, what DV wants, but I think yeah. from what we all want and I think what, from what Mathis has asked him to do is just be more honest about different bits and pieces that he's he's got justification of going that deep on that and um, giving us a little bit more of, of that rather than just kind of being vague with some stuff and just exactly. letting it go after that. Yeah, I think DV wants him to go a little farther than he can. I think Steve wants him to go probably more in a range where he could go and get away with it, but maybe Ricky's not quite comfortable to do that yet. But, yeah, I, I, I think DV, again, a little bit excessive in his thoughts and opinions, just a little bit over what would be considered – okay in his his lines but um they also asked steve asked rc about they were talking about kenny getting back at cooper and should kenny get back at coop at or at web uh, dv mentions if you're gonna do it do it right don't do it in practice do it when it counts and, and it leads to rc asking dv's opinion on something do you not think kenny was in the prime spot yes i, I always love being behind because uh, yeah. I, you can see everything and then you can pick your spot. You can p- put yourself in a position where when you see like you're better at one spot than the guy in front of you, you're going to make sure you're like on his ass right before that spot and just try to make a move, right? We think about that, Trent. I like the breakdown of he's not that guy, but he, I like the way he explained it. I thought that was a good question by RC. And a really cool uh, answer by DV. Yeah, and it just comes back to that. Like, they both had the experience of mm-hmm. what they believe they should do, and, and that's what they're trying to get across. But uh, I see asking DV the question, um, 
it's cool too. Like he, I guess he's getting more comfortable in this environment where he can then ask questions during his interview as well, which is, you know, the old RC when he was racing would just answer and move to the next one and just try yeah, and get through yeah. it. Uh, you can definitely see him growing in his role as a, I mean, not a media person, but as part of the media landscape, he's definitely growing in that aspect. And it's cool to see, especially two, two guys that battled out the O2 season together talking about what yeah, they exactly. were doing to each other. Nick, did you feel like uh, at this point, this show could have just been taken over by RC and DV and maybe Steve would have just got left in the dust a little bit. Like they were, it was two racers talking about racing. Absolutely, and no doubt we'll get to it. But when um, when they obviously lost Carmichael on the phone and they didn't sort of get him back on, I was um, I was like a little bit disappointed because I was I was enjoying where it was going. And RC, when he is sort of pushed a little bit, not I'm not going to say pushed, but when he's sort of motivated to sort of open up a little bit, yeah. from obviously Steve and DV, dude, that's when you start getting some awesome content out of him. And the fact that we were, you know, getting into a pretty cool conversation, it was RC was sort of saying deeply how he feels, and obviously we lost RC on the phone, and they didn't get him back. I was, uh, I was a little bit disappointed. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, I think we. Well, I'm not even gonna say. I think I know we lost out on some gold on something that might have really, again, been another another uh, classic, like something that we talk about, like laser gateish almost. And the reason I even say that is I actually saw Ricky Friday, the following Friday morning at the COVID testing. And I said, dude, I'm glad you're okay. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you disappeared on the pulp show and we never heard from you again. And I, we didn't know what happened and come to find out DV was right. He's, he's going to his RC's going to his new house. No signal. He didn't know where the dead zone was. And he just never got it back in time to get back on the show. And he's like, dude, and I had some stuff I really wanted to say. I was just about to start getting into it with Steve on, you know, how I feel about what the goat should be. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, so I, missed out. <laughs> I reached out to him and I reached out to J.H., his guy, to try to get him on last night to record something, what he wanted to say. But he said, man, I'm just too busy moving right now. Too much going on. So I wasn't able to get that done. So I guess we're into it now. Let's let's listen to the segment a little bit. And we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get our opinions uh, on what what's right and what's wrong. Or, what, you know, who's who's on it. And Mathis, I'm going to give you a hard time right now. Okay. So you did an interview with the king. Yep. And you said about the goat. Yes. And he's like, hey, the goat this. And I don't think you should be called the goat. And hey, and 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 I want to start off by saying, like, no, I never like no, yeah, it, jumped up and down and right. said, "Hey, man, can you guys call me this?" <laughs> like, I want to be to this. I don't. I I could give two craps about that, yes, right? Right. What What is your determination between the king and the goat? Like, like, like I said, I, it's not like I was begging for someone yeah, to yeah, call yeah. me that. And it was funny how M- MC says they said that. They wanted, they wanted, like they they needed for me to come up with a nickname. I mean, before the goat, I mean, I I'm pretty sure I had a nickname. It was RC, right? Right. Okay, uh, Ricky, <laughs> I'm gonna stop you right here, right now. <laughs> you, you you gotta stop being nice. 
you know, at one point, remember, or, or first you were on the, on the bike, or how you almost T-boned totally yeah. at the butt creek at the at the bottom of the hill. You gotta be like this in the booth, buddy. You know, you got you, you gotta stick it to them. You know, yeah. you're the best ever. There's no question about it. There's no question. There's no. You're the greatest ever. That doesn't matter who gave you the freaking nickname. There's nobody else. I feel like outdoors. I feel like outdoors motocross and supercross are so different, right? Like they I, are. I feel they like are. they're so different that if you're gonna be the goat, then I feel like you had to have both win records. No, nah, it's, it's just stop it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's that's just, big, dude. I mean, that's I, I'm with you. I in yeah. basketball. Who's the goat? I, I, Jordan. Jordan. Jordan, right? Bill Russell has 11 championships. Jordan only has six. Right. In, in our sport, in dirt bike racing, there's no competition. It's Ricky and then there's somebody. Other. No, After, no DV is being too nice. No, I'm DV not being too nice. Too You're nice. being too nice. And I'm going to tell you one more thing. Is <laughs> you, you're too humble on the broadcast. He is too humble on the broadcast. Just, I, I agree with that, Ricky. Just stop. No, you're because the, I respect the best. these guys, dude. No. No, it's not respect. You, you got to stop being humble. At one point, you, you were the baddest motherfucker on the, the race their bikes. Well, dude. I appreciate that. It, but dude, it, like... it, 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 you're not going to disrespect MC, but you know what? You're the, you're the best. You know, you, no. you got to live in, uh, with your time at one point. And MC was the best Supercross um, uh, racer of all time, the best record. Yes, 100%. Was he, did he change the, the sport at one point? Yes. But you changed the sport even more. I, I would have had to beat him. You know, a couple times, okay. and it's tough to do. It's really comical, <laughs> you know. Despite what he thinks, he's the baddest mofo to ever race a freaking dirt bike. All right, so Nick, great. Like that's probably my favorite clip that I have for tonight. DV fired up. I I agree with DV a hundred percent. I think Steve is wrong about his definition of the goat because then I mean there is nobody that has the most of each. Each, you know, motocross and supercross. Nobody has both records, which would mean there is no greatest of all time yet. Uh, I, I disagree with him. I think DV's 100% on point. What are your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I, I agree with, with DV. I, I sort of appreciated how Carmichael called Steve out on it. Yeah. Like, I, I actually didn't know Steve was not didn't like the idea of RC being called to go. Like, I agree 100% that. RC is the goat. No one's. I don't think anyone's going to get close to them records. So I definitely no. I don't think anyone's going to have a combined. I don't think anyone's going to have a combined record like right, Jeremy right. and RC. So I, I have. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not even questioning whether I call RC the goat. He's always been the goat to me, and always will be. So that's yeah. That's, yeah, and I don't know if he literally meant they had to have the record in each one or like an average of the record. And, but I, cause like, I, I feel, I know he said before that he kind of disagreed with the goat, uh, moniker, but I, I don't know if, if the way he said it that Wednesday night was what he actually meant. Uh, but I love Trent. I just love that DV, the respect, right? Like, no, you are the best. Like I would have had to beat him three or four more times to win that championship and he basically was saying, like, it probably wasn't going to happen. Like, there was so much respect in that back and forth. I, I loved yeah. it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
it's just RC being, I think, too humble. Like, I mean, you look at his stats, like he has the win record in motocross and he's second in, in supercross. I mean, he's the only rider to ever have two perfect seasons. Like how, and then he's won what, three Des Nations teams. Like, yeah. he's got a lot more. Yeah, it's not, it's not supercross. He doesn't have the supercross, but he has a lot more overall records that are never, I don't think any of them are going to be touched. I mean, the perfect season, I think, is, you know, since Stewart's done it, is never going to be touched again with right, that. Right. But he has, it, he may not be the greatest Supercross rider, but all round rider of all time, RC has got all of the, the accolades he needs to do that. And DB saying that to him, like, I think if you sat 100 people in the room, I reckon 98 people would say the exact same as what DB said. Dude, you are the best at every asset of this sport. Overall. And you should, yeah, you should be the greatest of all time in, on a dirt bike. Um, yeah, the I, king of Supercross is the king of Supercross. I I, I agree with you. I I do. I think, and I don't know how adamant Steve is about that uh, for sure. Uh, but it made I, yeah. I love that RC. Like uh, Nick said, I think that RC called him out. That it was RC bringing yeah. it up. What I do want to yeah. ask both of you, RC says like I don't really care about the the title of goat. But he brought it up, so does he really not care? I mean, I would. I, I'll admit it. Like if I, I'd be like if I was in his position, I'd kind of dig it, man. I, I would care a little bit. Do you think he cares, or do you think he really doesn't care? I think he cares a little I, bit deep, deep yeah. down. I think he does. Um, where did where did the name originate from? Who who's responsible for that? He brought it up, and now I he he touched on it. He uh, said. He said Matt Walker yes. gave him the name. Yeah, so, the truth. So that that's could be like, like, yeah, that was. I was about to. Yeah, like obviously, like is that stamp? Like is that where it come from? Man, so that would be a good I, question for Steve or, you know, or Weeds because I, I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, absolutely. But I think he cares for I, sure. I would. Would you? Uh, hell yeah! Well, I already said I would. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I'm I, I like I'm a trophy whore. I, I want I like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, you guys know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp Mech Show, and I'm excited to announce that Michelin bicycle tires is still a proud sponsor of the Pulp Mech Wrap Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to to ride the same Michelin tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. Also, follow them at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. All right, guys, do you feel like we even need to cover anything else, or or are we done? There was an Australian rider that was on there, mate. You gotta oh. Australian guys on and not talk about the Australian rider. There was on. there was some Aussie rider. That's right, Hunter Lawrence. Well, let's let's listen to what Hunter had to say. Anyways, Hunter, man, uh, it looks and just slowly getting better. And 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 you know, since the start of the series, dude, it's coming together for you. And I gotta admit, quicker than I thought, man. You really really looking good. You know, I've really just been focusing on on the present every day, you know, like, yep. it's so, like it's so easy that when you're in a preseason, you know, you ask any, every, every rider, you ask them like, what's your goal? Oh, championship, championship, championship. You know, like everyone's training every day for a championship. Not a lot of people train on Monday to be better than they were Friday. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And then Tuesday, I want to be 1% better than I was Monday. So that's, 
that's what I've been doing the most because, like, dude, I wasn't able to hit whoops until mid-January, you know, so just because of my shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm better than I was yesterday. My lap times, you yeah. know, in one week's time were consistently one to one and a half seconds faster all moto long. We're doing really well. Like, I mean, regardless of my results on Saturday or Tuesday and Daytona, you know, every weekend's a clean slate. Just my game plan for Saturday is the same as it was mm-hmm. two weekends ago, you know. Like, yeah. I want to put it on the on the tree in qualifying. All right, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. I I love the quote, not a lot of people train on Mondays to be better than they were on Friday. I feel like Hunter has matured quite a bit in the last year. And if he really is living by that thought process, and he seems to be from what we've seen, I, I, dude, I just think that's his head is on right. I liked what he had to say, and I was very impressed with him uh, on the Pulp Show that night. Absolutely, and it's like when when both brothers left Australia, Hunter was Hunter was meant to be the guy. Hunter was meant to be he was meant to be the next prodigy. He was meant to be the next big thing, and unfortunately, he did, he did really really well in Europe. And when he got to America, unfortunately, he hurt himself a few times mm-hmm. and never really got to show that. Obviously, Jet come through and wowed the world straight away. So I think Hunter got a little bit overshadowed. Finally, now we are getting to see the hunter that obviously me and Trent knew was going to come. The hunter we got to watch down here, and we we sort of everyone in Australia expected. So I, everything he said, then I agree with a hundred percent, and that is just that is his mentality, and that would be heavily inspired by Darren. So big things are going to come from that dude. Big things. Trent, what did you think of him on Pulp? And you know, Jet comes on, and Jet Jet seems more of a kid than Hunter did. Like Hunter, I just feel like whoever Hunter's headspace just seemed, really was impressive. I already said this three times, probably was it just seemed very impressive on the pulp show that night. Like he is focused and I like what he had to say. I didn't put it in here, but you know, he's in qualifying. I just, I look at like, I want to be on the tree, right? I want to be on the tree and top of the tree and qualifying. I want to do a little better. I want to get into the heat. So he wants to progress basically throughout the night. He's not, I got to go win. He's trying to progress throughout the night. He's young. I don't know. Again, just so impressed with what he had to say. Yeah, he's he's always been a little like that. He's he's got his um he's got his head screwed on right, and the people he has around him is is also a testament to that. You know, obviously having Johnny O there as part of his his program as well, and he has been getting better. And it's a good thing for him to be sort of making it smaller increments that he's trying to get better instead of looking at that big goal and putting a lot of pressure on himself. He's broken it down and he's going to work at it throughout that, throughout the the process that he thinks is the best for him. And it's starting to pay off. And as I said, we're all pretty stoked to see it happen. But uh, I I don't know if you're going to touch on it later on, Dark, so I'm going to bring this up. But we we weren't really impressed with the uh, the next part of the conversation that he had with Steve, where Steve asked him what was better between the US, Europe, and Australia, <laughs> and nothing about Australia was good. So we were a little uh, a little bummed about that conversation, that was for sure. Yeah, I actually did not put that in my notes because I knew how long this thing was going to be going. Um, I'm ready to argue that one completely. So, so what do you what do you think that, <laughs> what do you think that was about, Trent? I uh, to be honest, I think it was. Uh, you know, it, unintentional. Just the questions, yeah. I mean, the questions that were asked too were heavily based about his European career and then his mm. American career. There wasn't too much based yeah. about, like you said, 
where you know you know something about home and that is you know i'd say to be australia and you know something like that would have come back but just the way that the questions were geared it was only ever going to be a uk i mean a uk europe or, a, or an American answer, and uh, yeah, as a jazz, sit back on damn it, like we got no <laughs> no credit for any of that. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, it was just more I disagree. Question. Well, go ahead, Nick. The food. How can you not pick Australian food? Vegemite. Oh, just, oh <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> I know it's one of your favourite socks. I'd Ugh. say, well, but <laughs> but I was amazed with that. I was just like that. That question was setting Hunter up so well to go Aussie food because one of the biggest things, being Australian, obviously traveling to America a heap in my life, was comparing the food with that in the other parts of the world where I've been. And I don't know about you guys, but Australian food, I take it hands down every day of the week. So I was I was really, really surprised that Hunter went Switzerland for that. Yeah, uh, well, I know, what, tell me, we're, we're off topic, but whatever. What what is Australian food? I've never been to Australia, so what am I missing besides Vegemite, which I don't ever want to taste again? We're big for meat. I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're big for meat dishes down here, and then obviously you know bakery, like you got a sausage roll, you got a pie, you've got like a heap of dessert sort of stuff. You've got steak, you've got sausages, you've got Trent. Keep going, take us away. We we just hey that. I, I just think we're a, we're a little bit yeah I, I disagree. I don't think I see meat pie or a sausage roll. That's not the healthiest food, but uh, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean we have a lot of you know when you go to the to America and you sit down and have a steak, you get a piece of steak and then maybe a side of salad. Where we get a lot more salad, a lot more healthier with our you know when we go to takeout meals and stuff. I a little bit more based around a healthier side of things rather than fast food. I guess that's where probably Nick is going at. Where a little bit more. I guess it's a quality. thing down here at the moment. Yeah, it's just yeah, more quality, and we right. have our own stuff here. It's 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 funny when my first ever trip to this to America, we ate at Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> and I ordered I ordered uh, a thing off the menu, and it was named after my hometown in Australia, and I was just like, okay, this is weird. Ordered yeah, yeah. it, yeah, and it was when it came out on the plate, it was just funny because it was like. Inspired, it was like inspired by my hometown, but it was completely different to what my expectations were. Sure, and I'll never forget that. That was one of the probably one of the funniest times I've ever had in America was uh, was getting that, and then obviously seeing my hometown come up on a menu. Yeah, so yeah, sure. Completely, completely different topic, but I just had to get that out. That's there. funny. Yeah, I, I liked Hunter's thoughts on American women that they're they're a little more modded and. DV said, oh, there's nothing wrong with modded. That was good. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, look, this has been a jam. At this point, this show has already been pretty jam-packed. We still have segments to talk about, A-Ray to talk about, X-Brand tear-off segment. Look, the Lucid goggles are out. Go to xbrand.eksbrand.com. Get yourself some of the Lucids or hit me up. Uh, I'm also a distributor or a, a rep. I have some. So, but get, the, get yourself a set of Lucids. You will not be disappointed. Uh, Trent, we each did the tr- questions this week, this particular week, and Steve says they need Moser back. I didn't think the questions were too bad, but uh, he he was he was a little pissed. At, I like that he was pissed at Troll Train. This is the one I want to touch on. He was pissed at Troll Train that night, Tuesday night, because he didn't announce that he was out till seven oh one local time. I was in the booth or in the press box with him when it happened. 
yeah, so no, and, and DV says no fantasy talk. I told you this already. Yeah, I wonder if he actually did. But <laughs> I, lo- I like the fact in this expert tariff segment that Steve has no problem calling Troll out, although he's probably not really mad. But again, a bond he has with a writer, a friendship that turns into something entertaining, but there's a little truth behind it. Yeah, it's it's the relationship he's formed, and then also it's all the backstory. Like if you're a, a casual cult listener, you would not understand it. But for for the diehards and people like us that listen to every single yeah. show, you get to understand the context in which that comes across, and it makes it even funnier again. So, uh, yeah, it, it's cool that he kind of calls him out. And you can hear it; he's sort of talking with his tongue in his cheek a little bit, but at the same time, it's he's got a little bit of. <laughs> You screwed me a bit here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I know the wrap-up show sort of jumps around, guys, uh, on the timeline of the Pulp Show. But the show went two hours before the first commercial break. And I, I think it was during the X-Brand segment. They, they, he was asking some X-Brand stuff. And DV was like, are we not going to commercial? You told me you were feeding me. Like, DV was, he was hangry. <laughs> he was ready to eat. Uh, so they finally do go to commercial break. So, so DV can eat. I, I thought, I don't know. Again, classic DV before we get back to four forty eight, we need to get or four fifty eight. I want to ask you guys both. And I'll start with you, Nick favorite episode of all time. Liza guy. Okay. All right. That's easy <laughs> enough. I like it. It's the wrong, it's the wrong answer, but what about you, Trent? I know to keep in your good books, so we're going to say the episode you're on. Uh, Boom, boys. Honest, 440. Go back and check it out. But honestly, <laughs> though, honestly, though, I, I had, you sent this through to us to prep, and I was I was 300. Show 300 mm. with having the, the factory Yamaha team of, of the 0304. Like, that's my favorite era of writing. That's where, you know, I was really starting to get into it. Yeah. And have all them, you know, Chad, Timmy, DV again, obviously, and then and then Mathis in there and they're all were part of the team at that year and that time frame. It was just cool the stories that were coming out of that and yeah. I enjoyed that one a lot. Just being that that was sort of my era of racing when I was, you know, deep you know, learning about the sport and getting to hear that backstory was, was super rad that one. Right on. I, I've said on here before, my favorite was the uh medals up show post Post Glenn Helen two year three years ago now I guess the the first year that Steve went back with Galdi and I think Vaj might have been in Kiefer uh, and Randy I th- maybe uh, I don't know if Randy was in that yeah no, not Randy not Randy that yeah no, not Randy. Randy was on the next one last year but um I don't know that was that's my favorite show by far I I laugh so fucking hard uh, okay Alex Ray the thing I want to touch on Nick about Alex Ray's segment A Ray's always good friend of the show. But he and Cade had had a run-in Tuesday night, and he asked, you know, Steve asked him, hey, how are you and Cade? Eh, I guess we're okay. He says that Cade says it was payback for Daytona, to which JT's response in the background was like, last year? I don't know how we feel about that. A-Ray had just brought his chick to the race, and he told Cade he's got one coming. Well, as you said earlier, Nick, we now know there was another race since then, and he did have one coming. That was a little foreshadowing. 
Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> I, I think it was funny how it goes. It took you a year, but it took me three days. I think four days, said that yeah, four days. Four days. I think he said that on the show the week after. Yep, I got yep. a good laugh out of that because it's like it, it pieces these shows together because people obviously got to hear that on the Pulp show. Mm-hmm. Obviously that A-Ray was a, A-Ray's disappointing and then Kate had one coming. And then obviously a few days later we got to watch it and that was a storyline that we got to form from watching Pulp. So it's just it's little things like that that I love. I think it's I think it's just great. It creates so much more to watch in the sport. It's just like Pulp and Max Fantasy. When when Steve started that, it gave us it, it meant I had to watch the LCQ sitting on the edge of my chair screaming. Sure, sure. So it, it, it gives me so much more to it when I hear these little, just these little little things where these riders where they have digs at each other. It's like, well, I can't wait till the weekend when I can watch and see if something ever happens. And sure as anything, hey, Ray, it happened. So oh, and there it was, was some, um, it was cool. Yeah, there was definitely some yelling going on in the press box too. Myself and Ke- uh, Kevin Kelly were yelling. Like yelling, well, that, that was so exciting. Me and um, I think both me and Trent had had Cade for so did I um fantasy, and then so we could I. watch A Ray coming, and I was sitting there going, "Oh no, yep. oh no, oh no, don't, yep. don't!" And then obviously it happened, and then I threw everything, but. I wanted to be excited because I'm an A-Ray fan, so it was, right. I don't, it was bad. Yeah, it was, I was a bad time. <laughs> I was torn because I love both those guys, but yeah, fantasy trumps all. Let me ask you this, because we've sort of talked about this. It was a Wednesday night pulp show after two Arlingtons. How, do you guys like the show being on Wednesday like that and covering two shows? Um, how do you feel about it, Trent? Yeah, I'm torn. I thought about this, and at the end of the day, they really only spoke about the Tuesday night one. For the most part, yeah. You know, yeah, for the most part. So it kind of really defeated the purpose why it was there. But it is better because then they're not talking about a Monday night and then Tuesday it's sort of everything's irrelevant. So, I mean, I was sort of torn with it. It was good to to have a pulp show again and I, you know, and for Steve to fly back and, and do it live for in studio, I think. A lot of uh, a lot of fans were pumped with that rather than the on the road ones, but yeah, it was it was good. But at the same time, my routine is listening to Pulp <laughs> on the Tuesday Tuesday yeah. morning for us. Uh, you know, Monday night for you guys, it was like, oh, damn, I got no Pulp until Thursday, basically. So sure, uh, yeah, it was good to have the two races covered, but they really only spoke about the one that happened on the night before. Right? Yeah, it definitely screwed my schedule up. Nick, did you like it being Wednesday night? Yeah. <sighs> I'm sort of the exact same as Trent. See, we we get it early in the morning yeah. in Australia here, so we obviously watch it when we're at work, and it's like it sort of put my whole schedule out because I'm so used to it. Obviously, being on Tuesday mornings at ten o'clock, so I was a bit the same as Trent. It doesn't doesn't really really matter too much to me, but sort of when we think about it, it was more so the second race that got a lot of airtime, if you know what I mean. It was sort of the one that got recapped. Mm-hmm. So sure, sure. I, I, I agree, though. I sort of prefer the shows that are back in the studio when they can take calls and it, it can be more of a, a sort of a fan-induced show where we can get people calling in and, and more guests. So I, I, I think it's a, a cool thing, obviously, but it's it it upset it upset the wrap-up show, so we, we can't be having that. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked out anyway. What it really screwed up was the Moto X-Pod show, uh, at oh. the Pony Pod, as Steve likes to call it. Are you allowed? It, are you allowed to? Men- are you allowed to mention that? Or well, I just did. So yeah. 
<laughs> clippy, clippy. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll see. Um, I want to touch on, I called in, and I, I think I, I actually asked DV's opinion on the track, but what I said at the end, I don't know if you guys remember, I was talking about end of the night, Tuesday night, I go out into the pits, and there's A-Ray, or actually it was, my, I guess the, could have been, yeah, it was that night. Okay, so I go out, A-Ray's in the pits, A-Ray Mumford and Brandon Hartrath, they're all standing there at the at the truck, at the Chaparral Honda truck, and they're so depressed. They're, I, I suck, and I'm not going to tell you who said what, but, oh, I really suck. I ride like shit, ah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you guys fucking kidding me? Like, they're miserable. Like, you race dirt bikes for life. Everybody that listens to the Pulp Show, the fans, the people that don't listen to the Pulp Show that love you guys would think you have the greatest life. And I was like, look, dude, Monday I'm going to be back in Texas, and I'm going to be either digging a ditch or shoveling asphalt. And A-Ray's like, could you get me a job? <laughs> fucking pathetic. So I sent them a picture yesterday where I was literally shoving, shoveling asphalt, and they were all like, yeah, hey, I got the ride today. And, and A-Ray, had a, A-Ray had another mechanical. I don't know if he posted on Twitter or not. Had a chain, chain yeah, guy de- derail uh, yesterday. So typical A-Ray. But I don't know, man. What do you guys think? I, again, off the off the topic, what do you think, Nick, about these professional riders? They have a bad night. Do we give them a – should we allow them to be negative? Are they allowed that? Um, I think they are. I think I, I think in their heads they're allowed to be negative yeah. because they set expectations that are so high from them and they're surrounded by people that set expectations that are so high for them. Obviously, for us, it's the same. Like we're, me and you do the same job, Dark Side. So yeah. we're sitting there going, oh, geez, we're going to get up at, at five tomorrow morning and go dig some holes. But I can I can sort of see where they're coming and sort of setting expectations and wanting to do good. And at the end of the day, making the main might be the determining factor whether they're getting paid this week, if of you course. know what I mean. So, yeah, yeah. so I think if we were in that position and that's what was separating us from getting paid that week, I'd be pretty disappointed too, but I can I can definitely understand by the fan or if, if we walked past and saw them disappointed at it, we would be disappointed like, come on, dude, like you guys have the dream job. So I can see it from both angles for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I, I am, Trent, sort of joking. I understand it's a professional sport. They're trying to earn a living. But at the same time, they get the right dirt bikes for a living. It's, you know, I, I was, I, it just, I found it comical. Yeah, it, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've unfortunately been in that situation, not at that level. But you, you know, you are writing for a paycheck, and you you don't quite make it, and you just sit there and you're like, dude, it's just like any of us having a bad day at work. Yeah, it's yeah. This is work for them, you know, and that's where you know, yeah, to us, it's the fantasy, it's the dream. We'd love to be there. We'd give anything to be there, but it's still a job, and you're still expected to perform. And when you don't, you are going to be down on yourself. But uh, yeah, I could see you walking past us. I'd be like, "Come on, boys, yeah, kick it up." Like, you could you, be are you, holes on Monday. I was like, "You guys are fucking ridiculous," but uh, <laughs> you know, like, they, like, they made the main. Right, Ray did. I think all three of those guys made the main that night. Anyway, I don't know. I was just, I found it pretty comical and a little bit like, oh, if reality were just to slap you in the face for a day. Um, okay, a couple more things briefly. I have one more piece of audio. Great race tech rant. I knew this shit was coming. Steve was 
was complaining about the tough blocks and the elevated corner specifically um, because that was on the Tuesday night race. I was sitting next to him, and we were basically like he was going straight to his phone every time that damn tough block got hit in that ele- elevated left. And uh, I, I think he has a, a pretty funny point. He has a good point. Um, something should be done. They could he was in in the press box. He was like, "Look, they could go to Lowe's or Home Depot, and for like twenty bucks, get some ratchet straps and just tie them together." Uh, I think they could do something better than having those things get knocked out all the time. Go back and listen to the Race Tech rant. Uh, I thought it was a good idea. And DV says that won't work. And Steve's great response was, yeah, they said the same thing about the Nets. And we, yeah. saw, we saw the Nets work, saved Hunter Lawrence's life. Um, we thank you for that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts. Aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get you riding work, ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride at only at motorsport.com. The motorsport tweet, uh, tweet at tits were really good. We had a cool question. Uh, has AP done enough to keep his ride? Uh, go back and listen to that. Here's what I want to get to though. Last piece of audio. Did either of you, I felt like David Villeman made a contradiction about Cooper Webb from something he said early in the show and then something he said later in the show. Did either one of you, and just speak up if you did, if you did you catch it? No? No, I did. No. Okay. So I'm gonna play No, I'm just trying to think, but no. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna play this audio and you tell me if I'm wrong. This stuff that that Coop does that I don't really like. Um especially when you see him going super tight in turns and kind of stop and then stay low mm-hmm. and it makes it work, but right. I don't know why he goes in his turn so tight when he's by himself. Yep. Kind of like lose loses momentum kinda. What I really like about Webb is his corner speed too. Like he's he's very smooth. He keeps his momentum. You, you don't see like a roost a lot of roost in his. Uh, it means like he doesn't yeah. stop and go. He rolls his turn a lot. All right, Trent, you're shaking your head. I see you on Facetime, right? Yeah. I, I'm right, right? Yeah, yeah. You did. I, as soon as you press play on the audio, I, it it comes to my brain. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be the corner stuff, and then yeah, he did. Kind of contradict himself. He was always talking about how he cuts down. He doesn't like that. And then, yeah, next yeah. thing he's talking about how he blows the corners. And it's like, yeah, he did contradict himself. There. You are right, Doc. So awesome. Just, uh, I love being that one up. I love being right. Send me a trophy for that, Nick. What do you What do you think about me being right? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, as soon as you first play on that, I was just like, I think I know where this is going. And absolutely, Dark Side, you you picked up on it. So yeah. This is this is why Steve pays you the big bucks. Exactly. This, this why, I, I think I'm going to. This gonna is why you're to... leader of the, this is this is why you're leader of the Pulp Nation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to call out DV on this, you know, and say, hey, your yeah. your your job as a uh, a coach is inadequate if you're doing if you're giving this kind of information there, DV. No, but uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, so, can you record that call, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would go very well. Um, so just a couple other notes I have real quick. We we learned that this is from Ted. Steve's tool chat or Steve's tools consist of a bag of T handles that like he got from, I guess probably got from putting together uh, you know a table from IKEA or something is the way I picture it. That's uh that was I, I found that humorous. 
Uh, let's see here. Oh, how about the fact that DV follows zero Instagram accounts, Nick? Are you surprised? No. <laughs> not, not after not after this episode. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, 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 yeah. It's, I don't know. He might have sneakily gone off and followed Rutledge Wood, but I, I can't. I can't, I can't imagine awesome. that happened either. But no, that's uh, that's no surprise. Yeah, uh, I thought that was that's very on par for DV. And we also Trent learned that Steve may have not actually paid for DV's hotel room. I'm sure he got it figured out. But I like that Steve was adamant. Yeah, I paid for it, and then he looked. I guess he was looking at his bank account. And was like, oh wait, maybe not. Yeah, that was funny when DB's like, you didn't pay for it. He's like, I did. I pay for it all the time. And yeah. then, yeah, you can hear him like, you get, he goes silent. And then next thing you go, oh, uh, maybe. Oh. And then, yeah, you can see him looking at his bank. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. And especially, you know, there would only be one person that would call Steve out on that. It would be DB. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, again, we're going to wrap up episode 458. Um, a very entertaining episode for lots of reasons. A lot of good content. I want to thank all of our sponsors, Guts Racing, Motorsport.com, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and, of course, Seal Savers. And for any interest in any of the Pulp sponsors, go to PulpMXShow.com, click on the Sponsor Deal tabs. There are links and discount codes, and when you can't find one, you can use the contact form to get a hold of Steve, and he'll probably help you out. He usually does. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, anything to add to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, or want to get involved for a future Hello Pookie, hit me up, darkside at pulpmx.com, and we'll we'll get to it. Trent, Nick, before I let you guys go, anything else, Trent? No, that, that, that's going to be it. I mean, it's probably the longest wrap-up show ever because of the uh, because of the amount of content that come out of this. It was, a, it was an awesome show. If people haven't listened to it, they need to go because it's uh, listening to the second time around. There's so much more to it than, than even listening the first time. Absolutely. Nick, you got anything you want to say before we go? I agree exactly with that. And for all the hardcore pulp listeners out there, jump on YouTube and 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 watch the recap or, or, or try and watch it live because I think all three of us can agree that you get so much more out of going back and watching the video. And yep, yep. you get to laugh along with the guys and for a second that it makes it feel like you're sitting in studio with them. So that's, that's, that's my uh, little piece of advice, I reckon. I agree. And if you guys uh, are looking for any other moto content, any other podcasts, once you get done with the Pulp Mech show and, of course, the Moto X Pod show, go check out the Moto Limited show. They're on iTunes. You can find them anywhere you find podcasts. It's, uh, it's good stuff. More content, the better. I appreciate you guys coming on. But other than that, that is a wrap for 458. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Doc. Why would you want to re talk about the Pulp show? 